3: Sit around a table and have a conversation kind of episode of FilmSack. That's right. This is FilmSack, no. a discussion episode with me, Scott Johnson. We got over there uh, one Brian Dunaway, one Brian Ibbett, and oh, of course my. one Brandy Brandy, Randy Jordan. Hi Brandy Jordan. Brandy Jordan. Mm-hmm. Sure. Brand, Brian, Brian, and Brandy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Brand,
2: just one day ago you were a year younger. It's good to have you in the future. I know. Yeah. Well, every everyone is older right now than they were a minute ago. So Oh my gosh. Yeah. do yeah. don't remind me. If, the, uh, if
0: they might be Jens, taught us nothing they at least taught us that
2: that's true they and taught every us picture, every picture of you is a picture of you when you were younger <laughs> Yeah, that's true <laughs> but the good news in time. the good news for those AI
3: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> The good uh, news for home listeners is that none of you had to do any homework. There's no film this week. We finished all of our Sacktober's. We're we, we, we are taking a break from that. And uh, because a very, very busy weekend happened, we thought perfect time for a little sit down and discuss. So we're going to do that. And what we're going to talk about today is interesting. It's going to be about directors and their sometimes lopsided efforts. In other words, I'll give you an example that nobody, nobody put in the list. So I assume no one's going to bring them up. We may talk about them anyway but uh, Sonnenberg was it Sonnenberg Soderberg Soderberg,
2: Soderberg. Steven even Soderberg. Uh,
3: Soderberg 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 Berg of soda anyway <laughs> sure that guy makes uh oceans he makes a lot of great movies he makes oceans 11 people love it it's an amazing heist movie redefines mm-hmm. the genre people are stoked 12 not so much a kind yeah. of a bummer back to form in, in 13 but still you know 12 is a real bummer uh that's a good example of it. And we want to figure out why, why do these O directors, these people that we, you know, even us individually make glom onto super hardcore and go, man, that guy can do no wrong until they do some wrong, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. And so I want to, I want to stop you right there. Go. I want to stop you right there. Cause I, I kind of have choked on this, on this question a little bit while thinking about this. And so I just want to like, ask, let's just ask the Brian's what, what <laughs> is an auteur to you? Like what, when, when I say, hey, we're going to talk about auteur directors, what 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 the hell does that mean?
0: To me, right. it's I think a direct... Wait. Oh, go ahead, Brian. See, oh, this, this is why it's, it's uh, Brian and I are... <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <Fight>. <laughs> of Brian,
1: Look at that. Like, okay.
0: Oh, no. After you. Oh, no, sir. Right. After oh, you. Round
1: one. All right. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Look. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it. So auteur is, usually when I think of it in the way that we apply it, it's a young director who's blazing some new ground, right? A unique look into what... uh directing and that particular flavor and taste that they deliver. That's what I think of when I think of auteur. Okay. I, I
0: don't necessarily right. break it down as, uh, by age. I say someone who has just achieved master in their craft of, um, there you go. of directing, like, you know, like, uh, oh. <laughs> like, uh, are they a sponsor by the way? That's master class. Anyway. Um, Uh, like someone like Spielberg can still be considered an auteur, in my opinion, because Mm -hmm. he's he's established himself. He's he's a pioneer, or a maybe not necessarily a pioneer, but a an an easily agreed upon um, master in the field. Okay, and that's that's why I'd say auteur, or why I'd say auteur.
2: It it seems to me like there's a a third element there, and it's an Mm. important one, and that is that we associate the final work with an individual and not right. like a team or a, a committee. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I could see so, like, that. We, I mean, we point at, uh, uh, someone like, and, and I don't know why Alexander Payne is on my mind. He's been on my <laughs> mind. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I'll tell you why. It's because I walked in uh, to the living room and my wife was watching downsizing. Mm. And, uh, oh. like, but we point at a, at an Alexander Payne movie and we say that's an Alexander Payne movie, mm-hmm. you know, whereas, uh, there might be I, I don't know the some random marvel movie where you don't even uh, you don't even begin to associate it with a person because no. you know like no. there's no. Right. so many people involved in what you Too end up Too many seeing. people. Really. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people. Right. You
3: also may even know the directors. You might go, "Oh, I like the Russo brothers because I thought that uh, Winter Soldier was awesome." So I'm glad to hear they're right. doing new uh, engagement like and new or, or, war. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you have yeah. those moments, but also in those scenarios, you know that they are they're a smaller piece of the movie pie when they're directing Marvel or or Disney or Star Wars yeah. or any of that stuff right when they direct they are walking down a very narrow hallway
0: that doesn't necessarily give them a lot of freedom to move around but they, you know they're mm-hmm. still they're still the one pushing that cart down the hallway, but they just they can't push it in, yeah. in any direction with but the forward. money yeah,
1: yeah, when the money gets big enough, uh rarely can one person shoulder the burden.
3: Yeah, even though you want them to, right? You hear that Ryan Johnson's going to direct a Star Wars movie, and you're like, dude, that guy made Brick. He made that that other cool one I forgot the name of. He's like a really great auteur, young director with great ideas. And then he makes Star Wars, and you kind of go, had his name not been on there, take away all the controversies about the most recent trilogy for a minute. But if his name had not been on there, you wouldn't go, Well, that's clearly got the
2: fingerprint of the auteur (laughs) Brian Johnson (laughs) all over it. It, Right, exactly. Before we go any further, I just want to say there are some really successful, really famous directors who we would never call auteurs because they are like, they're kind of like pinch hitters. They they come into a a project and they competently direct a thing, but they don't impart their style on it. Right. Uh, Or maybe they don't even have a style. And I'm thinking of people like Ron (laughs) Bauer.
3: No, Ron Reiner. Howard's a great example. We just watched half yeah. a solo for TMS couch party and it, and it was this stark, not stark, but a reminder that he's, it's not a Ron Howard movie in the sense no. that it's a Ron Howard no. movie. It's just Ron Howard stepped in actually halfway through production anyway, and took over for Lord and Ha, who left the Lord and Ha, and it's, that's kind of a weird thing to do. You go from, you, you bring in a top Hollywood director who's known for, You know, big, giant, critical success hits, best picture stuff, best actor stuff. And then he swoops in and says, y'all work on your weird, you know, Han Solo prequel.
1: He's such a student Mm -hmm. of film that I think that, yeah, he's able to mimic. If you have, he could just come in and do his thing. I kind of feel like Sam Raimi is a very competent director that has his, you know, a very specific style. But when he did Spider-Man, I mean, he was just like, the first time he did it, it was like, he stayed very much within the the lines, but then the second time he's like, "Let me take it out for a spin." Oh, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then
0: for the most recent Doctor Strange, he said, uh, "I'm mm. taking you guys all step aside. Yeah, I'm yeah. taking the reins on this horse." <laughs> yeah, and bro- and
3: it's funny you say that because I think those are the best parts of that movie. That movie when it when mm-hmm. he gets to yeah. do what he wants to do. I mean, yes, it mm-hmm. takes it away from a happy-go-lucky Marvel film into sure. kind of a darker take, like he's known for. But at least it feels like I'm getting. His O'Tourness is is sticking out a right. little bit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I it's like it out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want I want to assert, and I could be totally wrong here, but I'll bet you that there's a huge percentage of people who like movies and go to see movies and they know their favorite stuff. Yeah. Who, mm-hmm. if you went to them and said, "Hey, who's the what's the name of the director who directed Witness and Dead Poet Society and The Truman Show and Master and Commander?" They could not name him. No, and it's just I can't, but they can't. <laughs> yeah, they they Peter are not Weir. going to Peter Weirs <laughs> one of my
3: favorite directors of all time and and yeah. it's a bummer yeah. that people don't but uh, you know like he's yeah. more of a but he's more like a fully cooked turkey dinner as opposed to somebody who's Ooh. just really good at hot dogs or something. And by mm-hmm. that I just mean you know if Peter Weirs involved it's going to be big, thick, epic, respected, amazing. Right. But there is you're nothing not, about it. You're not
0: going to see his- a popcorn flick with uh, Peter Weir. Exactly. But you're no. also
3: not going to see you know, it's not going to be like Tarantino. Where his his no. style is really obvious, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, right? And, and so, you, like Peter Weir isn't um, writing the film and isn't editing the film, and so on and so on. That's just that's that's all we're trying to say.
3: Yeah. If first. anything, his job is to kind yeah. of make it all better than it was going to be in the first place. So that's what he does good. Mm-hmm. He comes in and says, "Truman Show, check it out. Look what I can do." Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, um, which
1: sounds like I, a t- dumb thing t- on paper, totally worked on screen. That guy is a genius. Love him. Yeah, But uh, Randy's point about, uh, you know, t- to go see a style, it's because you know, you see the trailer, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I want to go see that movie, but not actually attaching a director to it. I always say his name wrong, so correct me if I – correct me, please. Dennis of Villeneuve, however you say a stupid name. Denise uh,
0: Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Oh, I, yeah. I think it's Villeneuve, Denis Dune. It's Dune. Denis Villeneuve.
1: Denis, it probably is. That's not the point. The point is if you see a trailer <laughs> for Arrival or Dune or Blade Runner 2049, any of those kind yeah. of movies, yeah. you're going to have a very particular flavor. You're not necessarily going to attach it to that director unless you're like us who love directors but you know if it is the general public you would definitely go see it for the the feeling or the mood of it
3: sure Mm -hmm. but then even but even even then like even though i have kind of that relationship with peter weir films you tell me he's making something new i get really excited he also made the mosquito coast which i think is kind of terrible that's not a good movie no And that came out in eighty six, not the TV one that was recent, but the Mosquito right, Coast the movie with Harrison Ford.
0: Ford. Uh, right, yeah, Mosquito Coast. I didn't. saw it then, and I was expecting something. I was expecting something more Harrison forty, you know, mm-hmm. like. Because <laughs> we'd gotten some Indiana Jones, we'd of course gotten Han Solo and stuff like that, and I thought, all right, cool, more Harrison Ford. Oh, this is not the Harrison Ford I want, and I think no. that might have soured me on the whole experience. So yeah. there's a downside right. to
2: being an auteur, and that is if you're an auteur, people can point at your worst movie and say that's all your fault. Whereas with Peter yeah. Weir here, you might you might say, you know what? I'll bet the mm-hmm. studio screwed somebody on that or something. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was just a terrible. That was a terrible script. No one could have saved it. Yeah, you know,
3: that's, that kind a, that's of that. a fair point. We'd tend to blame other things when stuff doesn't work and instead of the director what, what was that we all saw um that michael douglas uh ridley scott movie what was that called we saw recently ish last within um, the last year it was the, the one with demi moore the uh, no ridley scott yeah the, scott. it was a cop and he oh hard
0: rain
1: hard no, hard rain not hard rain hard black, black rain? Black black rain. rain
3: black rain black rain black rain
1: Oh, black rain, oh, yeah. rain.
3: black rain, ha- chocolate, <laughs> rain. Chocolate. chocolate rain, chocolate no. rain, yeah. uh, I think it was black rain, right? It, it, was, it. was black yes. rain, black, yeah. yeah, black rain, hard rain was, was rain. we just want the money, that was a different yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he, that movie is, could be anybody made it, it really is not a, it's not a Ridley Scott yeah. joint, like, in, by any stretch it, in my, no. in my no. opinion, somebody may disagree with me, but I don't think it has any of his hallmarks, his signatures, his, tone i mean maybe some of the cinematography is nice and dark and whatever and maybe there's some blue hues (laughs) or whatever stuff you're used to from him but but it's not a very good movie but nobody is ever gonna go well that's it sorry mr scott you're done uh you made this poopy piece so i can't take you seriously anymore like because you know he's got more in him he's gonna make something else that's rad right and he'll stumble here and there and even when he stumbles freaking um uh, it was a uh, uh, kingdom of heaven, theatrical, terrible, terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not good yeah. at all. One of the worst things he ever did. He goes home, does his own uh, director's cut, runs about four hours, puts it out on Blu-ray, <laughs> blew my effing mind. It was so good. Such a good movie. I was, it was like I was in two different dimensions with those two mm-hmm. films. Yeah.
2: So, and so you know. I don't want to insist on this, but like a part of the rubric here is Ridley Scott has no writing credits. Ridley Scott is not a writer. And right. there's a there's a thing there where when the director is also the person who came up with the whole damn thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. you just have a lot of opportunity for it to be really great. And you know, also a lot of opportunity for it to really stink. Mm. And, you know, so, but we don't, we don't remember those it who just stinks. made one stinker and went up, went on <laughs> with their lives. Right. Sure. Right. Sure. I forgot about the critic to you, to you said it
1: stinks. It, <laughs> it
0: stinks. It stinks. He stinks.
3: did a, he did like a student era film in 65 called boy and bicycle. It was a short and uh, that is his only, (laughs) it's his only writing credit in the other, in other cases, alien covenant is listed uh, as well. Let's see, as well as the new alien TV show that's coming out as conceived by, but you're right. He Mm -hmm. only ever wrote uh, like a student film and never, never anything Mm -hmm. again. But I mean, you can't see that's interesting because I still think of Ridley Scott as like one of the all time greats ever. Mm -hmm. Would it, does it matter if he wrote any of it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe those writers doesn't
1: get enough credit. And maybe doesn't. And maybe he doesn't have a passion for writing. Maybe he can write, and he just chooses to not really do it. I mean, you know,
3: maybe he's got know. his own little notebook at he home with a bunch passion. of rad stories
2: in it that he hasn't shared with anybody. Yeah,
1: little rad stories. It's like maybe, maybe he didn't write to, doesn't like to write at all. He's like, I don't like putting stuff on paper. I'm not down with that. Yeah. <laughs> Give me <laughs> a camera. I'm really just Scott.
2: Like, just like kind of like trying to push the baby out the birth canal. <laughs> I I wanna, I want just want to point out
1: What do we any of us know <laughs> about that? <laughs>
2: yeah, I just want to point out George Miller has a lot of writing credits on his movie oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah.
3: So he's, yeah. an, he's a good example of all the writing However, I will be the first to admit, George Miller, who I revere, uh, for anyone at home who doesn't know, uh, creator yeah. of Mad Max, uh, certainly Fury Road is his yeah. crowning achievement. We'll see if he can do it again with next year's Furiosa Assuming it all comes out at the right time Um but uh, he's he's made some bummers, and they and he wrote some bummers. Like, the bummer... I,
2: yeah, go ahead. I've already forgotten where you land on 3,000 Years of Longing.
3: I st- okay, okay, so this is going to sound weird, and I'll admit it's a little weird. I have not seen it yet, and the reason I haven't watched it yet, you'd think, as a rabid fan, I'd be all up in it. And in theory, I am. I'm afraid to watch it and the reason i'm afraid to watch it is i don't i don't want to be i mean the the i didn't even pay attention to the reviews i don't know where it landed critically i don't know i don't dare go in there cuz i don't want a happy feet to this business i don't want to find out it's bad <laughs> mm.
2: Mm-hmm. and then- I, I i i totally understand that and i think a lot of uh like filmophiles are the same like you freaking love christopher nolan and you've heard you know tenant is coming out and there are some mixed reviews like oh mm-hmm. it, it was hard mm-hmm. people had were dragged to see Tenet like months after it came out right yeah the yeah. tenant was weird i seen it you still oh but you, I still, you I
0: still enjoy Tenet. i still mm-hmm. wouldn't say it's nolan's worst I think, I think what do you that,
2: think is his worst? I
3: think it is his worst, but what do you just
0: You do you like really? Worst? I uh, I know this is probably going to be controversial. I liked Insomnia a lot less than I liked Tenant. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. That yeah. is controversial. Yeah. I,
3: I I it's important to say here though. We're talking about this is this is like the worst of his work is still better than many people's best work. So I liked sure. Tenant. Sure. But if I'm making a list it yeah, ends you're up putting, near the bottom. You're
0: putting a tenant above or below uh, insomnia?
3: It felt a little, just throw, a little throwaway. Maybe it was, you know, you can't take the pandemic out of that equation. It was hard to, yeah. with everything going around it and them trying to force in the theaters and it wasn't working and they had to figure out what to do and he, he was fighting the studios and all that stuff. It's hard to separate those things. And to me, the mm-hmm. controversy seeped into it. But um, if you look at his best work, uh, so in my opinion, it's things like Interstellar. Dark Knight, yeah. uh, freaking, what's the one that I love? Um, the uh, Prestige. I love The Prestige. Memento. Memento's amazing. I really liked yeah, Insomnia. That's, I and think I really,
0: that actually still um, might be my favorite of his, personal their favorite. Their
3: what's the mm-hmm. one with, uh, what's They're wrong with my correct, brain? Uh, Inception. I love Inception yeah. so much. Like, mm-hmm. And all his historical stuff is great. Like he's an amazing film. Oppenheimer, of course, is
0: fantastic.
3: Yeah, I still got. Yeah, see
0: it. it's funny on IMDb. Just the star rating is, is. We've talked about you know how much you can trust ratings, things like that. Tenet has a seven three, while Insomnia yeah, has a seven two.
3: Okay, yeah, right around where there. you're at with it then. It sounds like you're you're with the people, Brian. You're a man of the people.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, those are so close. And again, only people who it's are IMDb. who are going to be passionate about it are going to care enough to rate. And so it's not a everybody who's seen Insomnia go rate Insomnia. It's people who are passionate one way or the other go go rate Insomnia. Yeah.
3: My thing with Miller though is it's it's interesting. I don't actually count Happy Feet, even though many people think it's its worst his worst film. Sure. And he did direct it. Uh, Happy Pete One is a delightful film. It won Animated Film of the Year that year. It's a fine movie. Yeah,
1: it's just a different flavor yeah. than people are used well, to. Well, I it think it's,
0: if you could say the same thing with um the Straight Story, David Lynch. You know, it is it is by far the the most non David Lynchian thing that's true that he's that he's released. I love that. Um, movie. It's far better than Happy Feet, but <laughs> but still, it's like <laughs> it was way out of
3: that Twin Peaks Mulholland Drive. Um mm-hmm. it's more like Babe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like his yeah. version of Babe. Although people people think Miller wrote Babe One. He didn't direct it. Mm-hmm. He directed Babe Pig in the City. And that one is less <laughs> reviewed well. It's like, oh, now you choose to get involved. But then you forget no. he made <laughs> you forget this dude. He's only directed nineteen movies. Um you forget he did like Lorenzo's Oil, the uh Sarandon, mm. uh, Sarandon and yeah, Nick Nolte, uh, right? I think, uh, witches of Eastwick was his, you know, there's that one segment the nightmare at 20,000 feet with John Lithgow and the twilight zone movie. He did mm-hmm. that. That was really cool. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit, a mm-hmm. little bit of a mix in there. So in my opinion, where he stumbles before he goes to such great heights again is actually beyond Thunderdome. And the reason I think that is the potential is so wasted there on where we were going with Road Warrior. Thunderdome on paper sounds amazing. A giant Thunderdome yeah. to fight in. Mm-hmm. A guy, a little tiny guy and giant, on top of a huge guy asking who runs Barter Town. Like, these are amazing concepts, right? Just amazing, cool, new looks at this Wasteland uh, movie zone. And instead, they try to make it a little too mainstream. They hire a pop singer who I like. I like Tina Turner. It's not a problem. Yeah. But I just and then they put that music in there, it doesn't ma- match, doesn't fit. Uh-huh. No. Like to me, it's it a huge a little, mistake
0: for a thing that needs to look dry, dusty, gross, beat up, ruined. It, it was just a little too glossy in parts. Yeah, and uh, are I are think the Thunderdome, the actual <laughs> <laughs> Thunderdome aspect, the actual dome itself, I think this is a great concept, and I think easily not the not the weakest part of the film, but it's the whole kids interaction getting the kids who've been surviving getting them to freedom it's just basically all right what's the formula of road warrior we have to take this thing and get it across the desert for safety yeah they inserted
3: lord of the flies in there right they made a lord of the flies mini movie and jammed it inside of a mad max film
2: and i don't think it worked
0: (laughs) (laughs) works with gas works with mothers doesn't quite work i want to i
2: I want to argue uh with you on this because you know i'm the rotten tomatoes guy and uh so like um i think uh brand uh Ibbitt hit it on the head with christopher nolan if you look at him on rotten tomatoes um it, tenet is by far his lowest on oh,
1: rotten tomatoes Oh is it tomatoes. really
2: okay Six, 69% is, is where that, tenet what's is. what's uh, nah, insomnia 92% for insomnia really
1: wow, wow. he's wow. got
2: a, he's wow. got a cluster of seven movies at the top of the Rotten Tomatoes Tomatometer, and it's like Memento, Dark Knight, Oppenheimer, Dunkirk, Insomnia, Inception, Dark Knight, Rises are all way up there, right? Mm -hmm. So like 69% is going to feel bad, but that's still a pretty good score, you know, Mm -hmm. for Tenet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas uh, George Miller is not what you would expect on Rotten Tomatoes at all. Mm -hmm. Um, George Miller's uh, 69, he's got two movies down below 70 and that's the witches of Eastwick and babe pig in the city. Yeah. And I mean, do you even, I'm not counting anything that's uh, animated. Do, do you like, uh, do you want to, you want to even count babe pig in the city? Like it's a, I don't know.
3: I like but, babe pig in the city personally, but I also know that that's considered the lesser of the two movies. And also he just had this weird, like I'm going to make kids movies for a decade moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Which fine. It's great. Whatever. I think ba- babe in particular is very, is a very poetic, interesting thing. And it's not what it's not just pure. Hey, here's a kids' movie with talking to animals in it. There's more to it than that. But so, you know, you know, like- George
2: Miller's made fewer movies than Christopher Nolan, and so there's five. He has five that I would say are at the top of Rotten Tomatoes, hmm. and and those five are Babe, Mad Max Fury Road, and then Lorenzo's Oil, Mad Max Two and Mad Max 1. <laughs> Mad Max, Mad Max seriously because Mad Max 1 was 89% and when Mad Max 2 came out, uh critics managed to get it up to 93% on Rotten Tomatoes.
3: Yeah. Yeah, right. Road Warriors uh, awesome. The first one is experimental and weird and doesn't quite reach the heights. 2 made it made made way more sense as far as where this thing was going. And then Fury Road is the masterpiece. It's all of that coming together. In fact, I kind of think you need (laughs) to have a shitty time. You need to have a shitty time with Thunderdome so that you can propel yourself into the stratosphere with what Fury Road would be. Like, nobody thought that was going to work. Everybody's like, whatever. Uh Kind of a soft reboot. And who's in this? And what's the deal? Ends up being one of the most cinematically challenging, interesting things ever made. And... I don't know how he tops himself. I'm genuinely terrified about the Furiosa movie because I'm mm-hmm. worried about that attempt to recapture it and you can't quite pull it off. Mm-hmm. And I'm nervous. So next hey, year Rotten you guys are gonna have to Rotten hold tomatoes. my hands.
2: Yeah. I, I just wanna insert disclaimer. Once again, Rotten Tomatoes is highly imperfect. Like if you're if you're doing this kind of thing, just looking at Rotten Tomatoes, you're gonna have a bad time. You're gonna have Mad Max Beyond <laughs> Thunderdome at eighty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a bit high. And then you're going to have Interstellar at seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's like, Mm -hmm. I I, it's hard to believe, you know. So like, yeah, that's a
0: yeah. You can't, you definitely (laughs) can't. That right there is uh, proof that Rotten Tomatoes gets it wrong sometimes. Yeah, they don't always get (laughs) it right.
3: And sometimes you're talking about archival stuff that that is pulled from old newspapers and whatever of the time because the movie there was no Rotten Tomatoes in 1980, whatever. And so I don't ever know quite what to do with those. Those ratings, they feel like they're less. Um, well, first of all, it's like eight critics, you know, and they're all major newspapers around the country. Whereas today, it's those same newspapers plus two hundred billion websites are all reviewing, so it's just skewed differently now. Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, there's, there's also there's also the effect of time. Like reviews get frozen in time, and when Interstellar first came out, there were some critics that didn't like it, and it grew in prestige over the following like five years. Mm -hmm. Like we, we weren't talking about it in 2015, like the, one of the best 50 movies of all time. And now we absolutely talk about it like that because it grew. People saw it and liked it so much.
1: Oh, that's a great topic for future Brown table, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like right, right place, right time. When a movie goes to streaming has created this weird effect that movies that would probably have just died. Yeah. And they tank
3: at the box office. Usually the, the pattern is they tank, and everyone's like, oh yeah. shoot! Well, we're never going to see a sequel to that or whatever. And then on video or otherwise, just like becomes viral almost, or cult classics mm-hmm. or whatever. For those whatever are those would be fun research. stuff to talk about. I'd like that.
0: Yeah, for yeah, sure. There's plenty so of those we, too, absolutely. right? Tons
3: of that stuff out there, like um, Super oh, yeah. Green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: so, so you, yeah. You, prepped, you prepped me for this question, and I just have to ask, uh, Brian Dunaway. Mm-hmm. What what is Steven Spielberg to you in this discussion?
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> who is he? Who is he? What does he mean to you? Yeah, what does he? So Steven Spielberg is one of my first uh, looks and going, oh, I didn't realize directors were so important. So he was the first director I recognized hmm. as being a director in my life, and I was hmm. pretty young when this happened. Uh, I saw Jaws very early on, then I moved on to you know uh, you know Raiders and saw. Uh, I didn't see Close Encounters until later, but I saw E.T. the Extraterrestrial. And I was like, what is this thing that is speaking to me so clearly that uh, I feel like I want more? And so I sought out more Stephen King things at the time. There wasn't a lot to watch because, you know, what was there like uh, that movie, TV movie duel? Oh, Stephen, you mean uh, Stephen Spielberg. You said Stephen King. You don't mean King. You mean. Oh, did I say Stephen King? You did. Apologies. (laughs) The two Stevens who are very influential because one of my favorite writers (laughs) is Stephen King. Apologies. Yeah. You're right. It yeah, is. Yeah. You know, Stephen, Stephen King is a director. Bad idea. Steven yeah. Spielberg is a director. Great idea. Sure. Great idea. Sure. So, uh, except, yeah, makes stinkers. except, okay. What? So yes, yeah, so let's, let's flip it to the other side. When Steven Spielberg makes stinkers. Now listening to Scott made me realize, Oh, I think the real problem is, of course, and I've recognized this before is my expectations. when, when a director goes along for a certain amount of time and then they decide, well, I want to explore because they're human. They want to, they want to do something outside of what may have brought them success. Uh, In the case of, you know, like babe, we just talked about, well, Steven Spielberg, in my opinion, when he decided to get more into the, at the time, more modern sci-fi stuff like artificial intelligence. uh, And then he moved on to minority report. I did not feel like that was things. (laughs) I didn't feel like things. I didn't feel like those were, uh, indicative of what Spielberg had taught me was important in movies because he was exploring a lot of things. Well, and would that's you, would you, when it you say wasn't taught you was important, you mean just this was a
3: genre you weren't used to from him because
1: he did a lot of science fiction before this, like Oh, and, yeah, you know. well, he did, but not like these. These mm. were these were serious. I like like you know Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That's a science fiction movie, but it mostly deals with the individuals. When he started focusing on the technologies mm. and kind of got away from the individuals, I was like, mm, I'm not as interested in what you're delivering here because I think I think it was still, Spielberg's-
3: I think it was still kind of in the individuals of zone. It's just that that movie, it's, it's very dystopic. That movie, that movie's like, well, it's Philip yeah. K. Dick. First of all, that guy writes nothing but dystopic everything. But, uh-huh. but it's also just like, it's not your, it's not your usual same with AI. It's not your usual Spielberg, this is going to end with some inspiring thoughts kind of movie. Right. 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 As as opposed I've, to ET or as opposed to uh, Close Encounters, these movies had, had endings anyway or crescendos that were right. like positive hum, humanist takes, whereas these are a little bit darker. It's like, well, we're going to swap your eyes out.
1: Um, we're going to make you weird. There was far too much. There was far too much. I, I felt like Steven Spielberg was looking through the eyes of Kubrick, who he had been working with, and I did not care for it. I like Kubrick as Kubrick, but I do not like Spielberg mm, as Kubrick. Okay. I don't like that. Okay. Does it you, doesn't, sure. doesn't work for me?
3: Do you? What did you okay. think of? Uh, so speaking of Spielberg, out of his out of his usual element, what how how were you about yeah. like Saving Private Ryan or Schindler's List, that kind of thing?
1: Oh, I loved all that stuff. All that stuff was still within the Spielberg, even though it didn't deal necessarily with the stuff that I love, which is whenever he deals with how kids are growing up and trying, you know, being independent and these really complex, really not complex kid characters. Yeah, I enjoyed that because once again, it felt very, it felt more like I was exploring the human thing. Whereas like AI, it it went on for decades, you know, it went on for more than decades. It went on that the endings of AI went on forever and ever And I was like, I just can't, I don't feel grounded. I don't don't feel grounded
3: in it. See, I'm, I don't know why I'm so opposite of you. And and, and maybe anybody could have made it. This isn't even a Spielberg thing for me. It's that, and maybe that's your point too. I like those
1: kind of stories. I actually like those kind of stories. We talked about Prometheus and all these other things that Ridley Scott does. And I love like, I love all of that kind of story. I just didn't like Steven uh, Spielberg doing it for some reason. It didn't fit in. Now, once again, I don't think necessarily a bad thing, but I don't think a lot of people go, oh, Minority Report, that's definitely my favorite Steven Spielberg film. Mm. I don't think anybody does that. Does I anybody It's, any us, it's it, up there. It's up not, there for me. It's up there like yeah. in the, I don't know, I'd put it in the top
3: 10 probably. Would you put
1: it above The Color Purple? Yeah, you forgot he did that, didn't
3: you? No, I remember that. The color Purple is <laughs> <Color Purple's> amazing. <laughs> color Purple is like the first yeah. thing he did that was like a I'm big gonna, serious if thing. I start,
1: if I start naming like the 50 or 60 so films that Spielberg did <laughs> You're going to find that Minority Report slides down pretty quick. So, mm. I guess,
2: pretty but, quick. but I, I want to play a quick impromptu game with you guys. So, I'm okay. looking yes. at the, his bottom three rated films. And so, I'm going to start with Scott, and Scott's going to try to name the bottom three. And if you get if you make a mistake, we're gonna to go to Brian bit. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: No, me, right. Because I, I pulled up his list. Are you talking about the ones where he's a director yes, only? As right? a director. Not producer, director. Yeah. He a writes director. too. He's
3: a writer. He's he is not yeah. yeah. so, so,
2: character writing. Here and there.
3: All right. So I'm gonna say so bottom three yeah. bottom th- make a guess. So I'm guessing guess. at the bottom three.
2: Like all yes. three. Okay. Yes, just one move. Name a name a movie that's in his bottom three.
3: All right. Uh I'm gonna go ahead and say that uh Crystal Skull better be there.
2: It is not Again. what? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. How wow. is that
3: freaking possible? Okay, that's fine. Move on to Ibibit. So, you um,
2: both Dial of Destiny and Crystal Skull have a strange thing where they come out and they get middling reviews and then just kind of stick there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This is, we're we're talking about uh, reviews like on Rotten Tomatoes that are below forty percent for these bottom three.
3: Okay. Wow. All right, Dunaway, or Ibbett, your turn. What do you think? No,
0: skip, like I said, skip me because uh, when we started talking about Spielberg, I pulled up his Rotten Tomatoes and then sorted by oh. the tomato meter and then <laughs> looked for the lowest, the ones called uh, the ones where he's credited as director.
3: All
1: right, Dunaway, it's on right. you then, buddy. What do you got? Oh, that's probably, I, I never cared for this movie either. It was the one with. Uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus, the Always, and I only know this because I went back through the thing mm. yesterday. So, Always
2: wasn't a big one for oh, me. Oh, probably with John I Goodman. Like, and, uh, I liked Always. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah, director uh, and producer of it's that. It's fine. It's not, not great. Yeah, not terribly reviewed, though. It's at 67%. Okay. All yeah,
3: yeah re- nice. Always reminded me, like, nice. it was like a, almost like a, a leftover episode of Amazing Stories that they just never used. I don't know. Oh, yeah. God, his yeah. Amazing Stories run. More yeah, I love that stuff. Yes. All right. So, now you lose, too. So, let's come back to me and see if I can get another one. <laughs> um I'll go with um what's the VR one Ready Player One? Is that in the bottom three?
2: Oh. No sir. And in fact, uh, Ready so. Ready Player One is I would call overrated. It's at seventy two percent. Um it just it came out at a perfect time, man. Everybody had yeah. read that book and were very excited. And uh it just it stuck the landing. I love that movie. All right. I, I I'm going to give you a hint. We're going to Dunaway again. I'm going to give you a hint that his bottom three are two comedies and an action movie.
1: Okay. Uh, comedy would be I I I forgot he did
2: 1941. That is correct. Oh, uh, no, that one, in one of there. his bottom three.
1: Ah, first yeah. theatrical
3: movie, man. That's a bummer. Yeah. Boy, aren't you glad he didn't give up then? It. He didn't see his
1: horrible success with that yeah. goat. You know what? I'm, I'm <laughs> not that, that was for post-Jaws, though, wasn't it? Yeah, post-Jaws and Close yeah. Encounters. Oh, I thought it was pre-Jaws. I, my bad. Uh, uh, no. No, no, no. 79. No. Yeah. Okay, so close. Th- the reason why I remember that is because I was I made a talking point of uh, making sure that that he really started getting higher budgets, and he started really doing some really interesting things after Jaws. They started trusting him. Okay.
2: Okay, can, so. And, this, and it was also the great example of... Uh, when if anyone ever says Robert Zemeckis can do no wrong, you point him right at 1941, because that's <laughs> he wrote that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So it's you got interesting movie. Belushi. So awesome. wait, that means you get to keep accurately. guessing
3: if you got it right. So keep guessing.
2: You got Hook. There's two more. Okay. okay. So we had a comedy. No, he, what would you say them? No, the you got, uh, got 1949. Oh, you oh just, is sorry. Hook on there? Yeah, Hook. All right. <laughs> all right Hook's, well, and, uh, Hook was my you know, next and, guess. That's my least we favorite. We talked about this when we sacked Hook, right? I hate Hook. Yeah, it's just I, it's, li- I like Hook. I know you do. It's not a
3: good movie, though. It's bad. Oh, I didn't it's, say it was a good movie. Mm.
2: It's his lowest rating like as, as, as a director for reasons. I'm not yeah. sure that we really uncovered the reasons. Like, it's it's really more of a mishmash of problems, right? Than mm-hmm. in, these individual things. So you could understand somebody loving that movie. Because it has some great elements. Oh,
3: yeah. There are some 90s kids out there, like grew up kind of as very right. young children then who adore that movie. And I don't ever want to take that away from you people. It's how I feel but about it. But I would easily that,
0: put uh, Crystal Skull below hook as far as Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. my personal my personal. Oh,
2: absolutely. I, I would see I would again well. before I watched Crystal Skull. Which yeah, is Crystal Skull wild. Is it is wild how high Crystal Skull is on the overall list. It's because he's made a lot of movies. And you know, like, like so. There's, (laughs) there's just there are movies below Crystal Skull on the list where you're like, how, how Mm -hmm. is this Mm -hmm. like? What, what Mm -hmm. were they thinking at the time? Amistad is below Crystal Skull, right? Like, it's like just is it really?
0: Amistad's better than that. Like a lot. The Terminal is below Crystal Skull,
1: and the terminals. Mm.
0: I like the Terminal a lot. I
1: know the Terminal's great. Are are both of those above Minority Report? That's what I thought. Okay. Nope. Nope.
2: um Um, minority report is as the beginning of what i think of as his top on the list like as you go upward you hit minority report and then it's like duel lincoln jurassic park bridge Mm -hmm. of spies west side story it's just like every the Fablemans, like and it's just going and going and going you know
3: Hmm. uh so you Uh, said uh, hook We said what was the other one 1941 okay i'm gonna make a.
2: can i make a guess Yes, please. Let's name this action movie and get this over. Is it
3: the second,
2: I forgot the name of it,
3: um, the second Jurassic Park? Yes. Uh, oh. That's it? That's the yeah. one? The, the Lost, Lost, World? World. Lost World. Oh, interesting. See, Lost I liked World. that better than Hook. Which
0: again, yeah, I was going to say, I I'd, I'd put that higher, I put it above some of the other things that um, that
3: scored higher Rotten Tomatoes was. It's got problems, but it, mm-hmm. the, the kind of problems it have, because I think the 1993 Jurassic Park is the definition of a perfect movie. Uh, there are very few right. like it, and when they are, often Spielberg's sitting right there with a smile on his face. He sure. knows how to make them. I think that first Jurassic Park is literally one of my, anyway, I don't want to speak for everyone, one of my perfect films. To to, And that's how I feel about Fury Road. To go in to try to do a sequel is so dangerous when you have a perfect film just right behind you, and that's why I'm worried about the Furiosa movie, because you just did a yes. perfect film. What are you going to well, do now?
1: Let, let me tell you, you guys didn't mention his worst directing job in my opinion even yeah, though it rates pretty spielberg, good spielberg's worst directing? yeah absolutely okay. not a question you watch some of the footage you watch the movie you'll see what i mean is what? steven spielberg's director's chair video game oh. with jenny oh. tarantino <laughs> pin and pin and teller yeah what is that? i've never even heard bad. of this what, what is, is a video game where you direct a movie as steven spielberg Right, you make the choices, right? I just posted in the uh in the in the Discord server. But yeah, this uh very nineties, um, and you get to make choices. So it's, he's made a video game and you get to choose different scenes and which way they go and how you want Quentin Tarantino to play because he's playing as uh he is playing as someone who is going is going to the electric chair and Jennifer Aniston <laughs> is his girlfriend trying to get him out what? of it. And Penn and Teller are the guys who set him up. Why why so, is yeah. Jennifer
3: <laughs> Aniston Quentin Tarantino? oh my gosh, Barry Corbin? What is this?
1: Yes, I've never it even heard amazing. of this. We're going to why talk would
0: about you have Quentin Tarantino as an actor in the I mean, I know he's he's acted, but why would you have him be an actor in this game? Like,
3: <laughs> well, he's two years. <laughs> he's so the this first is, thing you see. This is two years after Pulp Fiction. I don't. So, where is he professionally? Yeah. Maybe he's just so stoked to be yeah. there. I don't know. This yeah, I've this never heard of
1: this shit. This is weird. No. Was it like a PC? Yeah. We're definitely going to cover this on another podcast we <laughs> do. <laughs> so it's like a multimedia game, like a. Uh, it is. Like it's a night nice it's, <laughs> it's basically that. It's nineteen ninety. It's nineteen 1990, ninety-six. So we're we're getting big into the you know the full motion video stuff, and you make choices as a director to end up with a good, uh, good cut of a movie. You're you're you'll choose how Quentin Tar- Tarantino reacts, whether he's com- comical or if he's more serious. It's a really interesting, and there's actually an online version of this. Someone is trying to resurrect this thing. Hmm. Uh, let me—I'll try to find if I can oh find gosh. a link on that. Kind of give you a flavor, taste of what the game is like. Today. Fascinating, dude. That's crazy to me.
3: <laughs> All right, what is that to... rate on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> Randy? We should check that shit out.
2: I—I <laughs> I I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even think I, it I shows know. up.
3: Yeah,
1: it doesn't exist, Brian. Absolutely I, wild.
2: Yeah. Well, I would appreciate uh, a moment to talk about Alexander Payne. Do it. Of, this all comes from the fact where we're like we're this entire episode comes from the fact that there's an Alexander Payne movie coming out on Friday. What is it's what called, is that? It's yeah. called the holdovers. Oh, the holdovers, right? Yeah, okay.
3: Giamatti. That's yes,
0: right. Yes, yes, yes.
2: so his favorite? Like his favorite person to mm-hmm. put a movie. Well, tell and,
3: tell me he's bringing MC Gainey back to put his wiener on the window. <laughs> tell me that's. I saw
2: did I know that was coming up. <laughs> Wasted you. Have? Sorry, go ahead.
3: Can tell tell us more about I, this.
2: I I'm sorry to say I I, I don't think MC Ganey is in this movie. I don't know <laughs> anyone else in the movie. Um their, their names are Carrie Preston, Brad, Brady Hepner, uh, Divine Joy Randolph. But um, Alexander Payne is my best example of a current current working auteur because he goes and he writes these movies he directs them he has a very particular style he you know you, he's clearly involved in the casting and the editing and the sound design and so on like he he's really all over the movies and what happens when someone is really good at that is you get a movie like sideways and sideways is spectacular like and it's very yes. simple right it mm-hmm. you, like you just point a camera at people <laughs> and and I hope hope you have a good script and it and it does it's a you know it's such a good script do you
3: guys have a and, favorite uh, is that your favorite, then, of his Alexander Payne movies?
2: Just curious. Yeah, Sideways. Okay. Sideways is, is uh, yeah. you know, I, my, my yeah, favorite. I have, a, I have a special for a spot Nebraska. for Nebraska.
1: Yeah, Nebraska yeah. and I get along oh, a like, well. I haven't seen Nebraska yet, but it's, you it's
3: should. Been on my it's, list of why haven't I watched this yet. Yeah, team Gibbet here. That, yeah. that movie yeah. is still... To this, oh man, I kind of want to watch it now. Twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. So
2: anyway, so Ale- Alexander Payne also made some stinkers. Um, not not just downsizing. Like downsizing isn't that bad. There are moments of brilliance in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a script that meanders and it loses you. It, everybody will get lost at some point watching that movie. But um he also like he made his bones writing uh, Jurassic Park Three. He was the writer of Ooh, Jurassic Park Three man. and uh and, like, and he uh I liked wrote... three. I know I'm weird, but I liked three. <laughs> he was tapped to write I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, which I just think is so oh, weird. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. Alexander yeah. The one where they had yeah. to get
1: married for insurance reasons. at Sandler and uh, uh Kevin his, James. his best friend, yeah. yeah. Jake, yeah, Kevin yeah, James. That's yeah, that's right. That was that was all right. Um he but, really uh, where he
3: hit his stride was 99's election. Election was like his big mm, like oh okay he's got so something to good. say. I really liked about oh. Schmidt as well but yeah.
2: Well and he yeah. you know he made a movie called The Descendants that I feel like no one has ever seen. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it was, um it's oh, this I love
0: The Descendants. If it it's a
2: for, it's a love letter to uh, Hawaii, which is yeah. why I think it's so great. <laughs> but it's also like just really good example of you get really great actors, you give them a good script, you point a camera at them and see if it's great.
0: Mm -hmm. it also goes in places you're that you know you don't expect uh descendants like you think it's going to be wrapped up in this certain way and it goes a completely different direction and it's and it's amazing takes you completely by surprise i can't believe that was
3: 2011 Mm -hmm. that feels like yesterday weird yeah yeah it does um he's he's picky like look how long he takes between Mm -hmm. movies the descendants 2011 nebraska 2013 downsizing 2017 and then this year, 2023, the holdovers, like there's big chunks of time, but where that guy's just like, I don't know, sipping tea and,
1: <laughs> smart you know, finding hose. I don't know what he does. I don't know what he's got guys up he's, to. He's, but. he's managed to stay out of the grinder that is Hollywood, right? That's, that's good. Maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, he's I hope so. more like the
3: slicer. He has epic hair. Wish my hair would Yeah, do this. he does. Yeah, gosh, yeah. dang it! I wish I, my yeah. hair, as I get older and it gets grayer, it also gets thinner. Nope, Alexander Payne's over there with a bush of hair up there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly.
2: Good lord! And, you know, he's just he's just one of many. Like we could we could do a whole second. Maybe we will. Maybe someday we'll do another like a part two on this discussion because like yeah. we haven't even touched on Luke Besson. Like that's a right. that's oh, a, the whole yeah. uh, himself, a whole discussion himself.
1: Favorite. Yeah. Um,
2: we yeah. we have many times talked about M Night Shyamalan, but he is definitely he definitely belongs in. In a discussion about uh, about auteurs and their failures <laughs> yeah,
0: That's a, and that's a tough yeah. one because you know unlike some of the ones that we've been talking about that have um, a majority of their yeah, work games. really loved and appreciated and one yeah. or two failures For poor, poor M. Night Shyamalan is uh, you know one or two brilliant like you know regarded as super super high Quality. He had a really plan. good run for a minute. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's weird.
0: I um, still you know like what most I, of his
1: movies, but do you know what publicly, I've noticed though?
3: This is what's, this is a little weird. Almost every major director we've talked about with the exception of Payne and uh, Ridley Scott, um, one common actor throughout all of this, Bruce Willis oh, is yes. in everybody's shit. Like Aww, I know, it's because he, he's just in everybody's shit. Like I think Bruce Willis.
0: <laughs> Bruce Willis for a time never met a script he didn't like, and uh, that's
3: true. But some of these are so great, like Unbreakable, Fifth Element for Luke Basson. Yeah, um, yeah. You got your. Uh, uh, we just talked about Ryan Johnson. He was in Looper, amazing in Looper, even though
1: Looper had problems. I mm, think yes. he was. I he's typically he been was known to be Looper. real yeah. easy to work with. So I mean, how could you resist? Oh, I, I the rumor was he was, with, was hard to work right? with. That's yeah, what I always it was, heard. It oh, was
0: I, later on, like during when he was on Friends, apparently he was very difficult right. to work with. Yeah.
3: Interesting. Big pain in the yeah. ass.
0: Although, who knows how much of that, now that we know so much more about what he was going through at the time, <laughs> how much of that was him struggling with you know early onset right. uh, but Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever, that um, it just came across as, man, he is real stuck up, doesn't talk to anyone kind of bastard. <laughs> yeah, that
3: could have gotten... That, mm-hmm. that could have been worse because, I mean, it's hard to say, we don't know, but I, that's probably true. If I had to guess, you always yeah. hear about that with people prior to their actual symptoms manifesting, they get real grumpy yeah. and, and they they get mad about the way they're feeling and, instead of, I don't know what else you would do. I'd be mad. Mm-hmm. I'd be pissed. Oh yeah. Too. Oh, so frustrated. That man, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: yeah. yeah. He's that's of one of the but things they even... tell
1: you yeah. uh, when you're dealing with somebody who has dementia, you have to be, they, they easily get frustrated. Because yeah. it's frustrating. Well, yeah, right? it's frustrating like, as yeah. hell. Yeah. Imagine, imagine sitting here at this meeting, you know, at our little show here, and then suddenly yeah. one of us is like, "Who are you? Why am I here?" Like, yeah, right. Imagine, yeah. imagine what we do, which is we can't remember an actors' name. Now imagine it, you can't remember the co-host
2: name. <laughs> yeah, that goes <laughs> exactly to a different yeah. level. Yeah, a right?
1: whole different level, and it couldn't be more
3: frustrating. And and whether, mm-hmm. like it or not, the world is disc- is set to discriminate against that kind of thing, oh, even yeah. if they don't mean to. You you're, you become less good at being a person, or you get become less good at communicating, and people push you yeah. to the side, whether you know you're doing it or not. It makes me very sad. This is a weird way to end our episode, but here we are. Here we are. Ending. I, know, this
2: right? <laughs> I think I can. I think I can bring it around because the overall topic of these individuals who end up being like almost solely responsible for the outcome of film can also apply to some actors. There are actors where. We look back at their career and there are certain movies where we just go, that was a Bruce Willis movie. And, you know, there was a writer and a director and so on, Mm -hmm. but uh, that was a Bruce Willis movie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like that's, I think that's a really interesting, again, maybe a part two, Mm. but there's this really interesting thing where you don't have to be the writer and the director to dominate what we feel. We we saw, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like I i whenever whenever Mel Gibson comes up, because it's such a fraught subject with Mel Gibson, I always think of the movie Payback because I can't oh, really I can't really imagine that. that it had a director. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just like yeah. Mel Gibson just he chews up every part <laughs> of yeah. that movie. Well, yeah, sure. Mel
1: Gibson didn't direct that himself. I thought he directed, yeah. written it, and uh, starred started it. No, just, how the, just the worked. star <laughs> part. Yeah. You no,
2: know, that's that's how it feels,
1: you know.
3: Oh, that movie rocks. Yeah. We gotta watch that on here.
1: Yeah. I love that yeah.
3: movie so much. Uh, well, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, it's a fun discussion. I think people at home are going to have some thoughts, so please send those in, filmstack at gmail.com, or you can text us your thoughts or voicemail them to 801 471 do we know what we're doing for a movie next week? I don't even know. Is on the list? We're gonna watch yes. slacker.
2: Slackers, so slackers is still, it did not disappear in the time. Correct. Oh, so, yeah. Okay, H, H, HBO Max. Max, sorry, Max is apparently still in an expansion uh season. <laughs> they're they're did in the season of expansion, is, so that's right. they're holding on to things.
3: Is uh this did is Linklater's slackers or slackers
2: Slacker or Slacker? Slacker 92 right. so Richard so, Linklater whoa. uh film yeah. ninety.
1: Yeah,
2: Nineteen ninety-one. Yeah. Richard Linklater movie right. Slacker. Oh. Okay. Wikipedia claims it's ninety. To hear leather. that, mommy
3: confirmed. Why does this happen? Net- Wikipedia says ninety. IMDb says ninety-one. Uh, I found another link
1: somewhere that says eighty-nine. It's, why? It was why? A, it was more of an independent film, right? So it kind of got a, a a quick, like a small release, and then maybe oh, a larger like, uh, that maybe? Maybe. What
3: happened? Sometimes. Well, it Linklater's, it's his first real Hollywood movie. It's first movie, I mean, first. Oh, here film. we go.
0: Yeah. April 21st, 1990, at the USA Film Festival,
3: then worldwide release or US release, July 1991. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Can you believe that, though? First film, Linklater, man. That guy's there. Talk about wow. a director yeah. with a pretty solid list. Lager. Yeah. He's pretty mm-hmm. great. I'm, there are some bad movies, not bad movies. There's some stuff that I'm just like, okay, whatever. But now us- you,
2: you've really brought it full circle. We're going to go from a discussion yeah. about auteurs into watching one of the like m- the most preeminent auteurs, like his, uh, you know, his what, what before Midnight, yeah. Before yeah sunrise, the whole
0: the whole maybe. Sunrise Midnight trilogy or quadrilogy or whatever it is, boyhood Boy, like, was amazing. That is just
2: only him. Days- only only Richard Linklater could have made the movie Boyhood. Dazed and, Con- <laughs> Dazed and <laughs> yeah. confused oh, yeah, is yeah. still
3: I still think Dazed and confused is my favorite thing he ever did. And I love that so much. I could watch that now. Mm. Just captures youth in a way that nobody else seemed to do it. And they did it in an mm-hmm. era I wasn't even born in. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, link later. That'll be later this week. Later. <laughs> 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 uh, so watch Slacker, everybody, HBO Max or Max, if you prefer, like they do. Uh, that'll do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. Later.
0: i <laughs> will <laughs> see you next time. <laughs>